0: Thank you. Hui, Hello! <laughs> Welcome back. Is that the... Well, I suppose. But I want to start out the show with a shout-out. And there's a reason. I, I This weekend I met a delightful, delightful couple. Uh, Julie and Lee. And uh, the reason I want to start out with a shout-out is... I I was away visiting friends, and uh, uh, um, they wanted me to meet a couple who were big, relevant radio listeners, and uh, um, they listen on the app, and Julian Lee, delightful, and um, Julie starts out, we're talking about, you know, this amazing uh, uh, pledge drive. I mean it just was amazing. And she started out talking about you, you know, talking about the the people at Relevant Radio, the producers and the staff and the 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 bean counters and the hosts and all that. But then she started saying we. And I thought that's that's she's got the ticket. This isn't a them, it's not a you guys, it's a we. I mean, when you think about it, this is your work. You're you know, I, I'm not essential to this operation. You are. This you call in, you write in, you send in your prayers to 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 to, to uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet and the Rosary and you have these opportunities to go to mass and you have the world's largest prayer meeting Uh, when, when, when drew does the, the, um, the divine mercy chaplet and, and that, that rosary is the family rosary at night. This is to me, it is such a privilege to be, and I'm not just being pious to be a small part of this, um, is a real privilege, but you're the big part. This is your work. Uh, in this very difficult time in the history of the church and this very difficult time in the history of the society where people are afraid to get together, you are providing this amazing gift, which is reinforcing the universality, the, the Catholicism, that this is a thing around the world for everybody. And I just very, very sincerely... Um, want to thank you and to bless you and to say, Job well done. With that thought, let us pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nation by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And Lord, I ask you to bless, um, bless the, our listening audience. And I, I, today, I really want to pray for a couple friends of mine who, who have tested positive, but are having a hard time. But I ask you to heal them and to heal everyone who is suffering from that that difficult, difficult illness and suffering from. Just heal those who need healing, Lord. We ask these things through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, enough with the effusive thanks. <laughs> uh, let's get to the big book on the coffee table. Oh, this is a wonderful text. Love justice, you who judge the earth. Think of the Lord in goodness. Now, what's who's, who's he talking about? Love justice you who judge the earth. Now, this is a text, this is the uh, Wisdom uh, and um, the Book of Wisdom, one of the so-called deuterocanonical books, but it is, we believe it is uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit and Love Justice. This is though it's written in Greek and we don't have a Hebrew original for this. The people who were writing it were Jewish. Uh, and uh, i think that word is the proper word to use this was written maybe 100 bc there's dispute but justice includes generosity and kindness justice is, includes the fruits of the holy spirit when you and i think of justice we think of a, of a forensic a legal thing that that uh, you know when someone says well that's not just what they mean it isn't It isn't fair or it isn't equal. Justice is something much more profound than just simple equality or fairness. Uh, Justice, uh, when a parent would be just, um, justice is defined uh, classically as uh, right relationship to God and man. Right relationship, not homogenous, not the same relationship to all people. Uh, that, that, that's an important idea. It's fairness, but it's not justice. Uh, If you are a parent, you realize there are just some kids who need a little more attention than the others. Uh, this one needs the, not, not deserves maybe, but needs the bigger piece of cake. Uh, generosity, uh, is, is, is part of the virtue of justice in the Hebrew word. In fact, is the Hebrew word for justice is fairly interchangeable with generosity tzedakah well the 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 idea of justice so love justice you who judge the earth and who what does it mean who who you who judge the earth again the the israelite concept of the judge isn't someone who simply sits in what we would say judgment as in a, a court of law applying the law with a certain equality to all people that's not that's not judgment Judgment involves counsel. Uh, one of these leaders of Israel, who was also a military leader, was a judge. And we read about them in the book of Judges. And you came, when you had a dispute, an unanswerable question, you went to see the judge to get an opinion. So uh, we, we try to avoid judges unless uh, unless uh, we're at a cocktail party uh, fundraiser for something political. I'm joking. I'm joking. i never go to those i have standards you know i'm kidding i'm kidding um i better back off on this where so so this idea that, that that those who are in charge of the land uh they need to love justice and then we read further on um wisdom is a kindly spirit now that's a, a really funny uh, word uh it isn't Exactly. Oh, I looked it up, and, and uh, now, of course, I have forgotten it. It is not exactly kindly. Oh, where did I put it? Oh dear! Oh dear! Ah, here it is. There it is. Okay. Uh, it isn't exactly uh, kindly. It's it's uh, it's a slightly different word. Let me see. That that's verse. Wisdom is a loving spirit. The word here is uh, um. Very interesting because it uses the word philia. I've talked a lot about this. Agape is is divine love. It's it's love. I think it can be interpreted as sacrificial love or love that hopes for no return. Philia is mutual affection, friendliness. Your friend is your your philos. Uh, 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 so this is philanthropon. Uh, the wisdom is a spirit that loves humanity. That's that's a friend to humanity. And if you're in charge, everybody's in charge of something. (laughs) Even somebody who has nothing but a a lawn to keep clean. Uh, But parents, you're in leadership. Uh, Pastors, bishops, you're in leadership. Uh, uh, People who are chairman of the committee, you're in leadership. And if you have a spirit of wisdom, you are friendly to humanity. An unfriendly leader isn't a leader. They're not doing it right. Uh wisdom is a loving spirit. Um or I think on Translation Day it's a kindly spirit. No, it's a it's a spirit that's a friend to humanity. Uh and and I look at our political system and so very often uh um uh, our we have these political elections and don't worry I'm not gonna get political. I'm not gonna get political, I promise you. I don't like to do that. It's it's creepy, but uh, and irritating. But what happens is, in our system, the goal of the politician is to be reelected. I have met people who've gone into politics with nothing but noble sentiments, and after a while, they get as mean as all the other politicians. Uh, that uh, uh, that um, was the saying: if you can fake sincerity, you're golden. That that. That to be a leader is to genuinely love those whom you are leading. It's philanthropon. Uh, uh, it has to do with well. It's related to the word for philanthropy. Believe it or not. Uh, um, so there you go. All right. So that that's that's the the the, uh, the uh, first reading. But let's let's take a, a look at the gospel here. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause sin will inevitably occur. Well, this sounds like, well, inevitably? Yeah, inevitably. That that um, you can't get around them. And that's exactly what that means. Uh, let's see here. Let me look this up. Uh, let me I'd rather get this. Um, Okay, the word here is uh, uh, scandal, and you know what a scandal is? We think of a scandal as as something that you see on the news. No, it means uh, a, a, a a snare. You know what a snare is? A scandalon is the trigger of a trap. It that's what it means in Greek. A scandal, scandalon, and that's the word. That is used, and the trigger of a trap, uh, the worm on the hook, the 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 bait in the trap, the cheese, <laughs> and the mouse trap—that's a scandal. And I think that kind of changes this. You know, uh, 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 the, the triggers on a trap will inevitably occur, but woe to the one through whom they occur if you set the trap. And it would be better for a millstone to be put around that person's neck and to be thrown in the sea. Now, I'm going to translate something a little bit differently. Uh, You know what a millstone is, that they had these two big stones, and they would pour grain into a little sort of funnel thing in the stone and just grind it. And the, the, the grain would go through these two, stones the the upper and lower millstones and it would come out as flour the the grain would be ground uh, and uh you had these small hand mills and the uh people especially women would just sort of grind you know turn this thing and you know before they invented health clubs and uh store-bought flour these things were very heavy and of course this is very vivid but the thing i want to have you look at is little ones when we hear little one we think child and that's it includes children most certainly includes children but it doesn't mean children it means the little ones the earth people the unimportant people you know the the, the ones that that the world looks at as small but whom the lord looks at as large think about this we like to think of scandal as something sensational. And as it, it's true, you know. But all of us cause scandal sometimes when we're not noticing. Uh, how you treat the people who serve you says so much more about you than it says about them. Think about it. You know, if you treat the the, the the person who checks out your groceries as if they were unimportant, or the person who parks your car, or the person who mows your lawn as just unimportant. If, if you treat anyone as unimportant, the whole point of these is that there is no one little. How you treat people says everything about you. Can you perceive the image of God in the person who is serving you? This is real important. Um, I just think that, that, that we like to think that uh, scandal is a big thing. No, no, scandal is a very small thing. It's all about the little things in the long run. Uh, have you ever thought that you are the only Bible that some people will ever read? You are the only representative of Christ who will ever be sent to them. This has to do with what we read in the first reading. Philanthropy. To love humanity. Have you ever heard the saying, I love people, it's, yeah, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand? <laughs> well, that's a ridiculous thing to say, because if you are not kind to the person who you meet uh, in the store, in the on the street, in traffic,
1: um,
0: You know, this amazes me uh, about the infinite love of God. Uh, There's the great great, um, debate about does God love some people more than others? And I don't know that I would say that. I believe that God loves everyone absolutely differently. You know, that God's love is infinite. I can only love a few people. Uh, I can be kind and courteous to a lot of people, but I can only really be close to a few people as a, a limited human being with a small heart. But God's love is absolutely infinite, so he can love every creature he has made in an appropriate and individual way. And from our perspective, yeah, maybe he loves someone more than the others, but I believe he loves everyone infinitely, differently, but still infinitely. God can't love them in a finite way because, well, he's infinite. And when I see someone, it's my job to recognize the image of God in that person. And in some people, that image is deeply buried by sickness, mental illness, addictions, and even sin. Um, You know, there are so many people in the world today who don't know God. They don't even know about him. When I was young, they knew about him. I don't know that a lot of people knew God. But they knew about him. Now they don't even know about him. It's fascinating how uh, young people um, don't know about God. They think they can live without him. And you and I are the only Bible, the only representative of the kingdom, the only gospel, that they're going to encounter possibly. And so we really have to, to avoid the little scandals. Big scandals are awful, and they have driven people away from the church, but the little scandals drive people away from Christians. And we who are Christian, we who bear the name of Christ, we really need to be conscious of that, that um, we need to, to recognize the image of God in each each human being and thus doing, bring them to the awareness of the God in whose image they're made. All right, I think it's time to talk about, well, what else? (laughs) Mass hysteria.
1: Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Seek and ye shall find.
0: I, I love this song, <laughs> you know, I, but I don't know that it's appropriate for Mass, again. I, well, I want to start out kind of with, I probably should have started out with this a long time ago. Um, all of us need to study as we discuss these things, First Samuel 15, 23. You know, things are very controversial. The traditional Latin mass, the Novus Ordo versus Dominum versus Populum, which means turn to the Lord, turn to the people. Um, All of these things, uh, communion, kneeling, communion, standing in the hand, on the tongue. It gets kind of wacky. I want to call your attention to a a passage of scripture. First Samuel, the 15th chapter. It's worth studying. Um, uh, that as we discuss the divisions in the church and the problems in the church uh, and the, the liturgical problems I really do think we need to look at 1 Samuel which is about a liturgy it is about a sacrifice uh, that um, uh, was to be made by King Saul of Israel and uh, King Saul uh, uh, he was supposed to put the ban on the uh, Amalekites. Now, this seems very unfortunate to us, uh, the ban. That was when you had to, the Lord said, I want you to eliminate this group. Now, why would God do that? Uh, that's really for another day. But there comes a point where, where the, the sin of a nation becomes so great that in order to stop the cycle of sin, that nation must be eliminated. Well, the Amalekites, they were one of the Canaanite people. They, they committed child, child sacrifice, that sort of thing, uh, human sacrifice. And so uh, um, the Lord said, they got to go. And uh, there was, Joshua was supposed to get rid of the Amalekites, Joshua and the, and, the, and the Israelites. They didn't do it. And so Saul was sent to do away with uh, the Amalekites. And uh, uh, Samuel uh, comes into the camp and he says, "You were to, to Saul, he says, you were once small in your own eyes and you became the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel and sent you on a mission saying, go and devote to destruction the sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you've wiped them out. So why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you rush upon the plunder and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Well, Saul answers back and he says, but I did. I did what the Lord wanted. I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission and the Lord gave me. I brought King Agag of, of Amalek uh, and, and uh, uh, back to, to, here, to my, the town of Gilgal because I wanted to sacrifice the best of the sheep uh, and, and, and the cattle to, to the Lord here in Gilgal. And uh, um, and then I was going to execute a god king of Amalek, and Samuel declared, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience to His voice? Behold, obedience is better than sacrifice, and attentiveness is better than the fat of rams." What does this have to do with mass hysteria? Saul lost the crown of Israel because he. He didn't obey the Lord, uh, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. Read First Samuel fifteen, uh, chapter fifteen, the whole thing in its context, and hear what the Lord says. Rebellion is like the sin of divination. Arrogance is like the wickedness of idolatry. This is the tragedy of of Saul. He thought he was honoring God, but he wasn't. He was using the liturgy to augment his own position in the eyes of Israel. He thought it was about him. Why waste a good sacrifice in the execution of a king out in the boonies when I can bring him downtown and people will say, Oh, that's Saul. He sure loves God. Liturgy is not entertainment. Because Saul thought of liturgy as something about himself and as a kind of show for the people, God took the crown from him. And I'm going to continue with that theme this day, uh, not this day, but this week. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll come back with some letters and uh, uh, we'll open the phones at 888 914 888-914-914-9. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com/forester.
1: Well, there was a woman from Samaria came to the well to get some water. That she met a stranger who did a story tell that a woman dropped a picture. Well,
0: welcome back, back to the Reverend all Fire-Baptized gospel, gospel Hour. <laughs> I mean, That's how I think of it. All right. Uh, the Fire-Baptized Holiness Gospel Hour. Right. You know, before we go to letters, I wanted to do a couple, uh, say a couple things. Once again, thank you so much for your generosity and kindness. Um, this was a fantastic uh Uh, pledge drive, and it it really will make life easier, especially with uh, drawing down debt and and making sure that um, we can continue to do this. But I also wanted to, I don't do this regularly, but I just think young people who want to change the culture need encouraging. Uh, There is something in Chicago called the Athenaeum Center and it has been kind of repurposed it was kind of a just a community theater that was kind of weird on the north side associated with saint alphonsus church but a group of really committed young catholics uh have kind of started a project to reinvigorate it it's called the athenaeum center for thought and culture and this this week uh on sunday they're kind of having their kickoff and again i don't usually do this but um uh, I think that that people who are trying to do this stuff really need encouragement. Sunday afternoon, and if my letter thing will bring it up, uh, they're having Dante three hundred and sixty, which is uh, it's a um, uh, a presentation uh, on um, um, it's 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 the readings from the Divine Comedy, uh, and it's really really. Uh, uh, I think it's really worth doing. Uh, it, it's um. Yes, and Elizabeth Lev, who is a world class art teacher, I think is, is she she's involved in that, right? You're looking this up. Yes, yes. Are you are you alive on this, dear voice in my head?
1: I am alive now. She's a she's an art oh, historian good. in Rome. Yeah,
0: Dr. art historian, yeah. and she's going to talk about the significance of this epic poem, there will also be, uh, um, the Scola Antiqua, beautiful music. So I really encourage you to look at this. Just look up the Athenaeum center in Chicago. Uh, you'll find it. Um, it's, it's, and I just want to wish them real success in trying to revitalize, uh, the intellectual, as well as the spiritual traditions of the church. You know, uh, there are places where we, you know, everybody looks, oh, that church is in such trouble. Well, there are places where the church is not in trouble, where it is flourishing. And I think we need to look at those places and, and to um, accent them and to, to support them. So, and again, thanks for, I, I think the things are alive and well at, uh, relevant radio. <laughs> thanks for your support. Once again, I, I could, it was such a great pledge drive. I'm sorry. It's hard not to talk about it. Let's go to letters. All right, here we go. This is, uh, this is a fun one, uh, this is about, oh, and of course, my letters, which I have prepared. My computer won't, ah, there it brings it up. It's about distraction at mass. It's from Margaret. Um, I'm catching up with the program. <laughs> okay, um, let's see here. She enjoys the mass hysteria thing, but sometimes, uh, for example, performance versus praise. Sometimes there's a very fine line between the two. Um, and she mentions... Uh, let's see here I've been daily mass goer for years now I'm still wander mentally every time you know I would worry less about your mind wandering at mass it tends to do it more than as you get older um, it, you want to focus on mass you want you but I think people get really really nervous. Um, we're limited creatures and, and we're designed to be aware of what's going on in our environment. So you're going to get distracted. When I get distracted, admit what the priest gets distracted. You better believe it. Are the donuts ready for after church for the laying out of donuts? Is the hall unlocked? Is the, <sighs> well, what you do is when I get dist- when I notice I'm distracted, I begin to focus on the word "you." I'm going to talk more about that in one of the Mass Hysteria segments. But focus on the word "you," because Mass is a is a conversation with God. I would say at least ninety percent of the times the word "you" is used in Mass, it's directed at the Father. And when you realize you're talking to somebody. Uh, you're involved in, in in a in a conversation. I find it's easier to not be distracted, and that's an exercise that I will I will do. I will I will focus on the word you, and that's you, your, uh, and the imperative. You know what the imperative is? Uh, it's the command form. It's a it's a form of you. You know, go to the store. <laughs> you could all say you go to the store. It's it's you're addressing someone. And in Mass, we're talking to someone. We're not talking about God. We're talking to God. And to me, I don't know if that'll help you, but it really helps me to focus on what I'm doing at Mass. I hope that helps a little bit. Okay, this is kind of an interesting one. If someone is not validly married for 30 years, but living as brother and sister for the last 10 years, to be able to be in a state of grace and a very practicing Catholic, could they be a confirmation sponsor? I don't know what canon law would say about this, but I can give you my opinion. I've got a lot of that. So take it with a grain of salt. I would say no, Uh, but you can't be uh, because you want to pick a sponsor who will be exemplary in their life? Now that is exemplary. These people are making a great sacrifice in order to be able to receive the sacrament. You understand that 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 if uh, people are living uh, as married people who are not married in sacramentally, that if they are uh, intimate, uh, they really cannot be in go to communion because they're 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 married to someone who isn't their spouse you follow uh uh, so well the exception can be made if a person comes to confession and says we are living as brother and sister in other words there is no intimacy in that sense well then in the private forum yes you can go to mass but you see confirmation sponsor kind of makes it a public forum that it isn't kind of a private, um, uh, (laughs) uh, scandal-free situation. Uh, that, That sounds harsh, I know, but you really need to pick a sponsor, baptismal sponsor, a confirmation sponsor, and the person being confirmed should be the one to pick their sponsor. But you really need to pick a sponsor... Who is publicly living the gospel life and that may be harsh but i would i would um you know it's it's pretty clear in the instructions that most people get that if they are married they must be married in a sacramental marriage uh so sorry i i wish i could be nicer about it but eh, you wanna you, you know the thing you know oh gosh i want to be the sponsor to, the, to my nephew that's not fair well no but it's loving you know, that, that um, uh, you can tell them, I'll be your secret sponsor. I will pray for you every day and do my best. But I made this mistake, and we're, we're trying to get it straightened out. But at the time, you know, be honest with them and let them know how very sacred both marriage and confirmation are. And your respect for that that, that that sanctity of those sacraments will do them good. So do the loving thing. Don't do the thing you want to do. Do the loving thing. All right. And I, you know, nice when people want to do the loving thing and it's actually what they want. Okay. Now, of course, for some reason, my computer is absolutely slowed down. Uh, so we're going to go to a break and then I hope my computer will speed up when we come back. They just don't like me for some reason. All right. 888-914-9149, 888-914-914-9. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com/forester. Oh, such good away. advice. Such good advice. Well, this is a rather silly, this is a rather silly word of the day, but it's a good question. Um, well, it, this is not particularly edifying, or oh, where is the word of the day going? But somebody sent me a note um, uh, asking um, uh, about stuff, <laughs> stuff, was the community who said, home is where your stuff is. Well, this is about the word stuff in the text of Scripture. This is from Rita. We're studying the Great Adventure Bible Study. And by the way, an excellent Bible study. It is not profound scholarship, which is what makes it excellent. Uh, everybody wants to go into profound scholarship before they know the basic story. And Jeff and Emily Cabins have designed, I think, the absolute best system for introducing yourself to the Bible timeline, what we in my childhood used to call Bible history. you got to know the story. Uh, and it's excellent, and it doesn't pretend to being great scholarship, uh, and I think that's why it's it's so good. Uh, you can move on to greater scholarship, but you gotta know the text first. And I know no one better than than Jeff and Emily's. Uh, Great Adventure Bible Study for that, but that's uh, I'm shilling a lot today, aren't I? Uh, but we're studying Great Adventure Bible Study and came across a curious phrase. It is probably an easy answer, but a couple of times in Exodus 38 and 39, they mentioned scarlet stuff. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny, scarlet stuff. That that um, I looked it up, and uh, um, <laughs> it, it's it's the word stuff isn't in the text at all. It's a uh, fine twined uh, linen purple and and something in scarlet. Well you have to it's scarlet something so they put in stuff, which is an archaic English word for material and it's it's more properly translated thread or yarn. Uh, but you heard of uh, to knock the stuffing out of a pillow? Well, it's stuff. The word stuff, had an archaic sense that meant material. And I think that's kind of interesting because we want, uh, you know, when we kind of canonize, I had one the other day that uh, let this cup pass from me, and it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, sort of disquisition a fellow sent me about, about um, uh, how the Lord, the Father shared the cup. Jesus passed the cup to him, but that's not the word in the text. The word is let it, let it go away, make it go away. That's what the text says, literally to to go away, Uh, uh, thing. uh So, you know, e- e- when you get a translation uh, that you think is the best, read it, and then put it on the shelf and get another translation. Uh, that's uh, one of the ways to do it. And I really encourage people to go to a site like Bible Hub, and there are there are Catholic sites similar, and 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 it's kind of instant scholarship and well i can't read greek it's greek is just the greek alphabet It's just the english alphabet with a few more squiggles added on Uh, our alphabet comes from uh from it it starts out uh, uh phoenician then it goes to greece goes to rome it comes to 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 medieval europe to us so you can do it it's it's not that hard and it's very interesting to me. I mean, there's a large, another monotheist religion. I remember asking questions of someone. Said, well, I'm not a scholar. You need to talk to a scholar. Every Christian is supposed to be a scholar. You can't be my disciple unless you pick up your cross and follow me. Go make disciples. You're supposed to be, every one of us is supposed to be a scholar. Well, I'm not a scholar. Well, become one. Everyone, a scholar is simply someone who wants to learn. And I think everybody who's listening to Relevant radio uh, qualifies. All right. Let us go to phone calls.
1: The phone is ringing.
0: The phone is ringing. Who have we got their voice in my head? Tim
1: from Jacksonville, are you with us? I'm with you. And I want to know if righteous anger exists. And I ask that because... I learned from DeSale's introduction to a about life on his in his chapter on anger that both he and Augustine say that anger can never should never be allowed into one's heart. There's no situation where it should be allowed. And but then when I tell people that They say that can't be true, because Jesus displayed righteous anger, the prophets, and Paul displayed righteous anger. So how do I reconcile these uh, apparently contradictory authorities? And then, if you would uh, say whether it's advisable for a priest to um, try and employ righteous anger in his preaching. Well...
0: The answer to your question is really very simple. Saint Augustine is absolutely right. You should never let anger into your heart. Righteous anger isn't in the heart; it's in the mind. In other words, uh, it isn't a passion. Righteous anger is to look at something. Righteous anger is never about something done to me. It's a. I think you know. I suppose in some circumstances it could be, but righteous anger is about your love for the person at whom you are angry. In other words, you want to do good for another person. That's that's what love is, to will the good of another. I say that constantly. And is my being angry in the heart willing the good of another? No. But when I point out to them... Uh, using you know that when the anger is in my consciousness in my mind my awareness when I point out to them do you realize what you've done do you realize what you've done you have I remember um, uh, I was driving my godson somewhere uh, the two little tykes when they were little now the two little tykes are in their mid-30s but um, driving them somewhere and the older is of course beating on the other and I was very angry uh, but i wasn't angry at them i was angry that they weren't being kind to each other i pulled over and told them stories i mean they were like 10 and told them 10 11 and i told them stories about people i knew who had died and lived to tell about it you know all these beyond and back things and it's fascinating because people say that you experience all the pain you cause. and i said do you realize that if they're right and you're going to stand before god someday you're only hitting yourself. You're causing yourself pain. It did cause them to pause for a minute. Uh, so I was angry, but I, I wasn't angry at them. I was, I, I, I was angry at, at, at a situation in which they were hurting one another. So, yeah, there is righteous anger. When anger comes to the heart, when it's about me, then it isn't righteous. But when it's about a wrong being done to someone who is weak, and and it is not about it's about when it isn't a kind of personal dislike of someone then it can be righteous so the scripture says be angry but do not sin uh so i hope that helps a little does it explain
1: anything where where um can you tell me roughly where it says uh, be angry but do not sin"? sure
0: sure Uh, that'll take just a minute i i of course have to look at my computer and if my computer is On speaking terms with me, I'll find it. Be angry. Ephesians 4.26. And it says also, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So, yeah, there is a place for anger, but never for not loving someone. When anger is an act of love for the person at whom you are angry... You know, my mother would rarely got angry, but when she was angry, it did us a lot of good because we knew this was wrong. It was an instructive anger. So I hope that helps. Thank <laughs> good you. question. Did, you had another one, didn't you? Or did you? Did I answer? Oh, the oh
1: I, I, think, I think maybe implicitly you answered it. The question was, is it advisable for a uh, priest to try and employ righteous anger in his preaching? Well, I, I yell every
0: fifth word for no good reason because it keeps people awake. But other than that, you know, <laughs> I don't know about righteous anger. I've been accused recently recently of righteous sarcasm. I hope that's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, emphasis in preaching. It keeps the congregation away, uh, awake. But to be angry at someone, to be angry at a situation can be righteous. To be angry at someone it is not. That's That would kind of be the way I think of it. So, well, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. Who do we have now, dearest voice in my head? Megan in Austin, Texas. What is your question for me?
1: Hi. Um. Thank you for taking my call. Well, um, you... This happened to me a while ago. Oh, thank you. Uh, this happened to <laughs> me back when a completely different diocese. I went to confession a priest quite often, and one time um he decided to tell me something, it wasn't like a confession of his sin, but like something
0: um like that he wanted me to keep a secret or he didn't want me to tell
1: and um it wasn't anything like terrible, but the word he said kind of made me feel that this confession was. You, You know, you're, you're breaking
0: up. You're breaking up. Um, does the seal of confession apply to you as a penitent? Uh, that would be very unusual for a priest to say in confession, uh, don't tell anyone this is a secret. Um, I do not, the, the seal of confession does not apply in the same way to the penitent as to the priest or to those people who might overhear the confession. This is something people don't know about. If you overhear someone else's confession, you are bound by the seal of of confession. Also, if you go home and say you know that lady from the grocery store. I was in line behind her, and I heard her confession. She's deaf, and she was talking loud. And you will never believe. You may not receive communion. You must go, and I, I think you have to seek absolution uh, from the bishop. I, I, I'd have to to look that up. I think the same strictures apply to the penitent as as to or to people who are lay people over here. A confession. Uh, I know that if I were to break the seal of confession, that that. Um, that is reserved to the Pope. Um, I don't know if if uh, a priest can absolve that sin uh, or even a bishop. I I've never heard of that situation, but I know it's true. Now, does that apply to the penitent themselves? I am bound by the seal of confession only to information who that's given to me uh, in the confessional. In other words, if you come to confession to me and say, "Bless me, Father, I robbed the bank." I can't tell anyone that. But if next day I read in the paper that, that uh, Mrs. McGillicuddy robbed the bank. I can say, did you know Mrs. McGillicuddy robbed the bank? Because I heard it about it from elsewhere than the confessional. So the seal of confession does not apply to the priest when he hears something outside the confessional, outside the, the sacrament of, of penance. I don't think uh, that it thus would apply to you, even... If the priest told you something that was, he said, now keep this secret, uh, that would be a very foolish thing to do because you see, he's not going to confession to you. You are not, you are not extending the sacrament of penance to him. So you wouldn't be breaking the seal of the confessional. I don't think if I am wrong about that, I would like to know, but uh, uh, you're free to share the details of your own confession with people because you heard about them outside the confessional. Certainly. Uh, you, you you know, if you're the one who robbed the bank, you know you robbed it. So that's a tough question, but I, I don't think you're you would be bound by the seal of of, of the, the sacrament of confession um, as a penitent going to confession because, well, the priest is not confessing to you in a sacramental way. So I hope that helps. That's a very strange thing. Well, thanks for calling. And if anybody knows differently, let me know, please, because I, I, you know, again, take what I say with a grain of salt. All right, who've we got now? We got, we can do another one, right? Dan from Vegas. What can
1: I do for you? Hi, this is like the fellow that called a couple minutes ago, but the contradictory or contradictory situation. Uh, hmm. And looking at and looking at scriptures on faith, you know, Hebrew says. Without faith, mm-hmm. it is impossible, impossible to believe please, God. God. And, yep. Impossible. And then he, he, um, he, he, what does it say? He, he has, first must have faith to believe. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And then there's, I don't know how many, but I know there's one that says you're mm-hmm. saved by grace mm-hmm. through faith. Mm-hmm. So none of these scriptures have age requirements. Okay. Are there any that do? Are there any that have age there, well, requirements?
0: Let, you, well, let, let's let's let's, let's the, look at the word. Let's look at the word for trust for faith. You know, the word in Greek means trust. So, without trust, it is impossible to please God. So, like, why would we baptize a baby if that baby can't trust God? Babies trust. It's fascinating that if you if you uh, Uh, If a father, they say, speaks to the child in the womb, and when that child is delivered uh, and hears his dad's voice in the delivery room, that child will look. And if you pick up a baby, (laughs) it will howl. Then you give it to mama, and the very scent of the mother uh, and the feel of the mother's skin will calm the baby. You see, we think we can't know someone and we can't trust them unless we can think intellectually there's no intellectual requirement for faith hence there's no age requirement for faith that one if you understand that faith means trust you can trust even when you are a child in the womb and uh, you know when when we bring a baby to the baptismal font uh, does that child have saving trust in the sense that that child trusts his mother not to drop him uh yeah yeah that you see trust is 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 what faith means without trust it's impossible to please god and scripture says i'm like a weaned child on my mother's at my mother's lap that 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 faith is about trust and when you think of it that way it brings to life uh the text of scripture and well speaking of trust drew is coming up and you can trust that it's going to be a good show